Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You're listening to this podcast in various ways. The two most efficient ways are to go to the blog lrdgaul.podbean.com or enter Warman Kickfighting Show into the iTunes search engine and the show pops right up. So we'll go ahead and jump into it. Um, a lot of kickboxing action, but clearly the big action going and the return of Glory Kickboxing, who had to do some work. Basically, they had to go through the, uh, I believe it was the Olympic sports uh, um, of Holland that kind of gave them that permission. I mean, it's so basically the a week ago today um, at midnight in Holland, they said that they were going to do another shutdown. So everybody, you know, stuck in their houses and... Uh, uh, no events. So that comes on the week of Glory Kickboxing, which has already been moved a couple times. Once because Bader got got COVID. Uh, another time because of um, uh, COVID in general. So they went from doing a show, which would have been, I think the first show was early October, and they had two of them scheduled. And then that didn't work. So then they moved to the November date. And then that didn't work. Then they moved to December. And then this COVID situation comes up. So they battled through it. But in the end, they came out on the other side with a very, very successful show. But they really did have to work, you know. And uh, I really appreciate the guys at Glory. Um, it was, oh, let me see, I'm looking at it now. Had a plan B if the lockdown in Netherlands wouldn't have allowed. Uh, so it says they did have a plan B. Wait a minute, I'm missing one thing. Sorry, I'm actually looking it up right now. I'm trying to see what was the name of the group that... Sorry, never mind. Thought I had it. Didn't have it. Anyways, it was part of the uh, sports committee that they had there in Holland. And um, they were the ones that were going to, uh, excuse me, the Olympic Sports Committee. They're the ones that allowed the show to go on. Like something was worked out. Uh, they let go of the arrangements, you know, no crowd, just uh, essential personnel as far as making the show work. They were the ones that made it happen. I can't believe I can't. I thought I had it written down, but I don't have it. So my apologies. Anyways, uh, the card went on and it showed, you know, the best and, uh, uh, you know, some of the best talents and had good storylines that left it. And that's always very important. And we're going to go ahead and jump into that now. First and foremost, top of the card. We got to go top of the card down. Benjamin Adebui gets a victory by TKO over Badahari in the third round. It's interesting the perception of Badahari and how big he is. But basically, uh, the action called, uh, they go out. Adebui has some success in round one. Hari has his moments. We go into round two. Hari uh, hurts Adebui with right hand. Adebui tries to get his composure back. Uh, Botter, one of the great finishers of all time, blitzes him, scores the knockdown. Uh, Botter has a great second round. Round three, right in the beginning, Benny uh, scores something that hurts him. Uh, Botter has his nose busted up. And then a uh, another flurry in the corner drops Botter, Hari, and uh, I think it was a body shot that got in. He goes uh, after, you know, and a flurry of punches. He goes down, and he is not able to get up. And uh, he spent a lot of energy trying to get the stoppage early in the fight. Um, and then at the end, uh, not only was he tired and slowing, but he took a body shot and that really affected how he's going to go, you know, how he was able to take punches later, you know, or excuse me, that body shot really affected him more than usual because of the work that he put in earlier. Um, the storyline to take away from this is this, Badahari is so famous that win or lose the story is about him. And a lot of people kind of came and posted and just showed like 
theories on, you know, how the fight took place. Uh, some people coming to his defense, good and bad. Um, and then, of course, the obvious, uh, what does it mean for Glory if Badahari loses? So one thing that comes up is a lot of people feel that if Badahari loses, that's it. You know, Glory's lost a ton of money. People only care if he wins. If he loses, people are going to turn away. Uh, fan base is going to, like, like that comes into play. Like, you hear a lot of that stuff. Um, I do not think that's the case. I believe that Badahari is being looked at as a major boxer. When in truth, he's a major kickboxer. And in terms of a major boxer, if you look at him Mayweather, clearly his brand is affected greatly if he loses, you know, because of who he is and, you know, how many people um, uh, view him, you know, and how that importance of that, that O, uh, if he were to be, you know, 50 and 1 or, you know, whatever it is, that's going to affect how people see him. Like, that's just the, the nature of the game. So no matter what, that makes sense to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That view of Botter makes sense, like, but I disagree with it, you know. So I understand that people are like, Glory signed him, gave him a good contract. Anytime he fights, he has to win or else Glory lost their money. The reason why I say I understand that boxing under, uh, understanding of things is because of the world that we're in. You even look at some of the greater MMA stars at the top. Having that zero really, really affects how they get paid. But the reason why I think it's different in kickboxing, and I do believe Badahari is the biggest star in the history of kickboxing, if I look at who has been great in this game, and not just great, but great and people gravitated towards them, uh, which is very few. You know, there are some really good fighters, but not many that people have seen and go, I want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I want to have that swag. Like, that's very, very rare. Uh, I think Badahari was able to build his brand winning and losing. That's part of the story. Uh, the Whether it be the stomps on the ground against Remy and uh, Hezzy Hegas, whether it be the uh, losses of Simi Schultz in the finals, whether it be, you know, the uh, Remy Bonjowski, you know, uh, first fight as far as technical, um, the Stefan Leko first fight, which was a loss. Like, losses have always been part of the story because what follows the loss is the spinning hook kick KO that he got over Leko, uh, the, you know, it's Showtime explosion from the crowd when he got the KO over Shemmy Schultz. Like, he's different, you know? He's a different kind of guy. Like, he's a very, very talented, talented fighter. Uh, but the vulnerability is a big part of his story. So here we have a situation where he breaks his nose and he gets a loss. And, you know, uh, he has the, you know, the whole situation there where he's fighting in Russia and Ackman and stuff for a little while. And he had some losses and... Didn't look his best, and sometimes you wondered if he was mentally into it a couple times. Like, that's come up. Despite that, that vulnerability, people are still showing up because that's the guy they want to see. You know, he's that big of a star. And, you know, take away the injury, he was in great shape against Rico, you know, a year ago. So it's like, this guy, to me, I do not think that Glory is ever in trouble based off of what he, you know, uh, needing him to win. I just don't think that that's been the nature of of his performances. That's just me personally. I think it's always been a mixture of both. Outside of that, you know, uh, there were some good arguments to, you know, people coming to defense for him. Uh, one of them, of course, the obvious, he had COVID. And COVID affects people in different ways. And uh, some people have it minor. Some people have it, you know, uh, me, myself, I was like laid up to sleep for a long time. Uh, I wanted to sleep all the time. And I just saw one of the NFL football players. He said, I was tired. I wanted to sleep all the time. And other people are like, you know, had the chest thing. Or other people are like, had the cough. 
And then there are some people who are like, I didn't have anything. Like there was literally nothing wrong. Like, like nothing happened. Uh, I just had it. And, you know, some people mentioned the taste thing. It really could have affected the bottom. Like it really could have had an effect on this gas tank. So that should come into play. I don't know if it does, but it could, you know, very well could have. I don't know how he took it. Um, in the end, the reason why I think he lost is because Benjamin Adekbui is really, really good. And Benjamin Agbui, to me, has been the clear number two kickboxer in the heavyweight division for oh, five, six years. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean he's undefeated. You know, of course, he's got the Rico losses. That keeps him from being number one. And then he's got the um, uh, Ben Sadiq finals stoppage loss, uh, you know, in that tournament. But there's no shame there of getting tired when you get to the final fight. Uh, and he had a war the fight before it. So it's like. I back him. That dude's good. That dude can fight. And um, so we'll see what happens moving forward. And um, uh, But Attic Bowie is really good. Clearly, you want to get some fights to build his brand and then do the Rico you know, rematch again at some period of time next year. But really, really good win. Uh, Attic Bowie is you know, funny dude. He got on TikTok real early. And I've, I heard from other people that he's very funny on there. But just a super talent. Guy can really kickbox. Good fluidity and just the mental toughness to go down the way that he went down and come out and round number one is like, all right, it's time to get it. Next fight I'm going to talk about is the tournament. Uh, the tournament had, well, we go under card. Tony Yas gets a victory over Yas Van Belzen. It's a miss by me. You know, I'll go ahead and admit it. You know, I thought Van Belzen was going to have the victory. I thought this was a showcase opportunity because he's a really good kickboxer, got good flow. Tony Yas comes in. Miss weight by four or five pounds, and I'm thinking, okay, everything leads towards Belzen. But perhaps it was a combination of getting this opportunity and the uh, missing the weight that you know brought Yas to, to new heights. And he goes out there, puts in a really good kickboxing performance and a very close, uh, uh, closely contested, uh, contested uh, you know battle. And Tony got the victory uh, in a split decision, so it was close. Uh, let's see how they move on from there. Clearly, he has to address the weight issues, but the dude can fight, and that's a big win to have. We move into the tournament, and the tournament had Levy Redgears against Marciano uh, Baguandes, Baguandes, who was a replacement. Um, the fight went as expected. Levy Redgears is a very talented dude. Not only is he talented, he also was the, how do you say, the infusion champion that showed a lot of potential to be one of the best fighters in the world. And uh, he had a great run there. He comes out, clearly the better kickboxer, uh, dropped uh, Marciano several times, uh, you know, gets the, the TKO by punches, uh, but he got the knockout, if I remember correctly, in the second round. Uh, just he was the better kickboxer. Uh, Bagwandis, short notice opportunity, hopefully he gets back to the gym. Something happens for him down the road. He just ran into the, you know, a really, really talented guy. And sometimes you've got to have that experience for you to know what that level is and then for you to improve. But Levy Rickers, just at this moment, confidence high and is really, really, really winning. Nordin uh, Mahadin and Antonio Plazabat put on one of the fights of the year. A really great back and forth. There was a knockdown in it. Nadine is a very good fighter. Uh, but he also has the Dutch style down, so he could have a really powerful cross-up low kick, hook low kick game if he wants to. Tony Blazabot, is, Blazabot has that as well, but he gets into the boxing a little bit too much with Nordine, and there was times where they were just slugging it out, and there wasn't enough uh, touching and moving in between. Now, again, I love high-level skill, so if you're going to punch with someone, I think those are the best fighters in the world, people who can punch with you. 
find the opportunities, not just necessarily wait for their turn. Um, I believe that that was accomplished by Plaza, but, but not in a skill way, more in a battle way, like in a way where it's like, okay, you're bringing the fight to me, I'm bringing the fight to you, as opposed to I'm going to look for my offense in the pocket, and when you throw this, I'm going to rip the left hook counter behind it. He had a mano a mano, let's go. Nordine matched it. Uh, really good kickboxing. The knockdown from, you know, Mahadine had a lot of people assuming that this one was going to uh, go in his favor when they went to the scorecards. Had a draw, and then they move on to the extra round extension. I cracked this joke slash comment on Twitter when I said, you know it's a great fight when there is a call for a extra round and people were like, okay, well, you know, I'll take one of these. You know what I'm saying? Like, or I thought you know, normally there's outrage. Like, Medellin should have won. Should have won. Can't believe there's an extra round. This time people were like, okay, awesome. We got an extra round. So both guys put on a great show. Mahadeen wins by split decision uh, and the uh, overtime, and he moves on to the finals. Finals, very, very quick. Uh, Lev Rickers gets a stoppage by knockout with a body kick. He flicked his teeth at the at the knee, and then he stabbed with the toes. Uh, Mahadeen, who had already been in a war, probably took it more than than uh, he would have, goes down. Uh, same shot that Semi Shield dropped a lot of people with. It's just, if you, you know, some people just have that down. And he had it, and he really ripped it really heavy and uh, gets the stoppage. Levy Rickers is one of the, uh, Richters is one of the most important people in kickboxing, period. He's a 25-year-old heavyweight kickboxer. Got to get behind him, got to build his brand. Shouldn't be in a rush, you know what I'm saying? There might be a sort of... Uh, uh, Fernando Vargas-esque desire to, Fernando's already been winning, uh, he's, you know, uh, has a major title, let's let him go against Tito Trinidad. Maybe that was too early. People look back at that time, I believe he was only 20 or 21 at the time, but, like, they look back on uh, Fernando Vargas's career and they say, was that too early of a time? With Levy Rickers, who's talented enough to do it, and this is kickboxing, so losses aren't the end of the world, do you want to look at this tournament, have Rico fight, and then have these two do it in the summer. A new young up-and-comer, who Rico, has not fought on the glory stage before. Uh, but for me, I think it would be better to have Levy Rickers fight a couple times, get a couple W's under his, under his belt, and then look to have the title shot down the road. Now, you run the risk of him losing, but that's part of the game. But he's a talented guy, and it would be cool if you could get two or three more fights, and maybe he gets a stoppage in two of those fights, but you build up the guy who you want to fight one of your your you know your big contenders, whether it be Rico or whether it be um, Attic Bowie or whether it be, um, you know, uh, uh, anyone in that top five. You know, your Rico, even though Botter might not be a top five, but your Botters, your Haris, or excuse me, your Botters, your Ricos, your Attic Bowies, the Levy should be built a few more fights before those opportunities come. So, uh, but 25 years old, heavyweight kickboxer, special talent, really good with the kickboxing flow, really good with, you know, different techniques like the, the stabbing teeth, uh, boxing solid. He's got a future. I really want to see this kid down the road. I uh, really enjoyed this glory card. I'm glad that they're going to be back soon. The 30th of uh, next month in January, there we've got the... Um, uh, Bakadov versus Pereira fights, which would should be all action, awesome. Uh, everybody's excited, especially when we heard that announced. I was like, okay, well, we saw it coming, you know, something that they were trying to do this year. Then COVID hit, but I'm glad that they returned to the idea. 
That's really, really important. Glad they didn't abandon it all the way. They said there's value in this, and they went right after it. So super cool, and I'm excited about it and excited to see how the sport moves forward with matchups like that. Uh, putting that on the Rico uh, Jamal Ben Zadik card, that's a really, really awesome top of the card. So I'm curious, curious how the fight, you know, uh, rest of the fight card fills out. The only other thing I'd add to it is if there's one thing that I did miss about this glory card that just happened, I wish I wish there was probably about five more fights. <laughs> you know, like uh, at least, you know, there's some talent guys in Europe and I was hoping that they'd be able to put that card together. It didn't work out, but um, they weren't able to add more to that card, but it was great from what I got. But I, I love kickboxing and I'm really hoping to see more high level guys get opportunities to compete on a high level. Um, but Time will tell, and we're just glad that we got a glory event and we're back and rolling. Next card I want to talk about, or next, um, let's go ahead and move over to the one championship card. Roman Cricklia defeats Andre Stoica uh, by unanimous decision. Clearly, Cricklia is one of the best fighters in the world. Not just one of the best fighters in the world, a legit elite heavyweight, fighting out light heavyweight, but in truth, He's heavyweight. They just, you know, uh, probably have super heavyweight there uh, division. And I don't know who's in it, but they call these heavyweights light heavyweights. Andre Stoika moved up. Uh, very, very talented guy. I just remember when he burst on the scene. I remember I thought Bogdan Stoika, his brother, would have a much better career. And then Andre was quicker to get sharp and focus on clean kickboxing technique. Whereas Bogdan had won so much early with explosion, jumping knees and, and flying kicks that he struggled a little bit when he had to be more technical and slow it down. So when I look at this fight and I look at Andre Stoika, he had a great run, but that great run was at middleweight. And then he moved up to light heavyweight, had a couple good fights there, but nothing exceptional. And then he moves into this position, whereas Roman Crickley has been fighting elite level uh, heavyweights for a very long time. This dude's freaking good. So he came out, used his link well, used his step knees, the, the uh, body low and head kicks. He just had good flow to him, and he really brought the fight. So shout out to, you know, Roman Cricklia, proving once again why he's one of the best heavyweights in the world. He's very, very talented, and I want to see him fight more. Nang O gets a victory over Rodlek, uh, knockout, cleanest one-twos you're ever going to see. He was dominant before. Boxing was good. He's looked great since returning from retirement. Uh, and then Nango. They give him the mic, and then he looks at the camera, and he says he wants to fight the best people in the world, and he says to bring on Georgia Petrosian, who probably has a 20, 25-pound advantage over him uh, as far as, you know, physically. And um, on fight night, not that Petrosian's huge, but on fight night, I'm sure he's probably at least in the close to the 170s, just below, a little bit below it, but... That's a big step-up opportunity. You know, like that's a big step-up opportunity that he's looking at. He's asking to go against one of the great kickboxers of all time, whereas no one has had success. But he believes in his skill and his ability, despite that he's a smaller guy, and he calls him out. This is super dope, okay? I don't know what weight they're going to do it at, but I hope that they at least consider putting those two together. Because Nango really made a fight by getting on the mic. And that's why people don't understand the importance of selling yourself and selling a fight not that you're for or against another individual. You just want to put yourself in a position where when you speak, the best of the sport shows up. Uh, the, and and you, you give yourself the opportunity for the best, uh, the best opportunities of the sport based off of your short, 
after fight opportunity to sell yourself and ask for your next opportunity. Nango did the best of that. So uh, hopefully, you know, they make the fight. I do not think Nango will win the fight. Petrosian's bigger and he's super skilled. And Nango is super skilled. He's just not very big. So if they were to do it, that'd be awesome. If they could figure out a catch weight, that'd be awesome. I don't think that'll happen. But shout out to Nango for seeing the opportunity, deciding that's the direction that he's going to go. Really, really slick stuff. Uh, and I'm excited. Excited for it. In other news, and you know, there's some small news and notes here and there, but one of the big ones, for me anyways, was Tenshin Nasukawa. It is announced that he will possibly be fighting one of the pound-for-pound uh, better fighters in Thailand right now, and uh, Kumandoi, um, excuse me, uh, Pet Juro Invit. Uh, I've just been calling him Kumandoi just by his first name, but he's legit, okay? We've been talking about, like, who are guys to follow, uh, who are talented people that could, you know, get opportunities in Thailand. This guy is not just, or and internationally, this guy's not just good. His boxing and kickboxing flow is really, really good. Plus, he plays with flash, jumping knees, spinning jump kicks, back fist. He plays with it all. He understands what it takes to be an entertaining fighter, uh, and he brings that to the Thai stadiums. Go ahead, let him bring that to the, you know, the uh, international stadiums. His one championship opportunity, uh, or excuse me, um, one championship, those kind of opportunities are there. But the fact that Risen just shows this guy says, number one, they're interested in proving that Tenshin Nasukawa is one of the best fighters in the world. And number two, proving that they're no longer doing him any favors. If he's going to fight, they want to have him fight someone tough. Uh, this is a really, really tough one for him. Um, clearly, I expect him to win because, you know, it's Tenshin Nasukawa. Uh, uh, he's got... The looks, he's got the skill, but also close round's going to go to him. Uh, but this guy, and then you look at Rod, uh, Rod Tong, he, there's some legitness in who he's fighting. And he does have some bums here and there, some guys where you're like, okay, that guy was clearly brought in to get killed. But, man, I think personally you're getting the best out of uh, Tenzin Nasukawa with this matchup. And over his time, I think he's done a really good job of fighting some pretty tough dudes at his young age. So should be a lot of fun. I'm excited that they made that. Um, outside of that, just a couple of random news and notes. Uh, there was a um, move by Lion Fight to go to Fight Pass as opposed to their relationship with, um, who were they on? Uh, Flow Combat. So they did a good job of finding a home. Uh, they've got some talented guys there. Uh, for those of you who are, you know, big into Lion Fight, those fights are coming back February. Um, I mentioned the Glory announcement before. We had some solid kickboxing. We had some good fun. So, And I'm glad I've been able to consistently do shows again thanks to the content that's out there. So thanks a lot, everybody. Next week I'll probably do the year in review episode, which, you know, probably isn't going to be the most fun episode because we didn't have as many fights. But, hey, I'm going to make the most of it, and we'll go from there. But I want to thank everybody for listening. Oh, man, hilariously, I just realized I forgot to talk about Cedric Dombey and Kareem Gaji and the Glory Welterweight title. Uh, I, I think I mixed it just because I uh, started at the top of the card and didn't work my way down. I started at the top, went to the bottom, went through the middle, and I meant to leave that one for last. But uh, don't worry, folks. I apologize, but I still remembered before it was too late. Uh, so basically, it comes down to this. I think Cedric Dombe was so determined to win by KO because he got a late-moment replacement 
that it affected his performance. And he cracked a joke afterwards, and he said, I was fighting like Mirtho Grunhart. I mean, of course, that's his rival. And, of course, he said Mirtho's not hurt, he's scared, and, of course, that part comes into play. But I really do think that a clean, technical Cedric Dombey is probably the most skilled kickboxer on the planet. In this one, he was throwing shots, and to Kareem Gaji's, you know, credit, he was eating shots and coming right back. Kareem Gaji, 39 years old, just didn't have what he had when he was younger. But the one thing that was left was his heart. The lion heart was there. He was going to fight it out. I, I mentioned this on Twitter. You see it in sports all the time when someone gets a big opportunity and they treat it as if they will never get there ever again. Uh, and the way they perform and the way they, they you know, uh, work on that stage, uh, it's very important to them, you know, that, that they leave it in there, you know. And I think that... Uh, and I brought this up before, and this is another example. Dylan Salvador, when he went against uh, Gregorian for the glory title. Uh, and I remember in that fight, he burnt himself out and ended up getting stopped in the fifth round. But he was determined to bring the fight. Like, he was like, okay, I am not going to wait out and get mowed down. He was determined. I believe I'm remembering the right one. It could have been Salvador and Sidichai. But I think that the effort that was put in, like I remember... Uh, the mentality, I believe it was Sitchai, but I remember the mentality was, okay, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose trying. I'm going to leave everything in there. And he burnt himself out, didn't have anything left. He needed a good stop later. Okay, I'm trying to remember that fight off the top of my head. In this one, the same thing happened. When they were in firefights, Gaji was in a firefight. Like he was punching, he was throwing, he was looking for big shots. He could care less uh, whether or not... Um, People thought that it was the prettiest or that he was using the right, right, right or wrong tactics. He was determined that he was going to fight. Uh, Dumbe was going to answer any kind of fight because he had another pressure. I mentioned this to people uh, on Twitter as well. I said the pressure that he had in that fight is basically not that of, you know, all eyes are on you, you got to do really well, but more there's a last second replacement. The pressure to get a stoppage is even more important when you get that replacement. You've got to show them that you're superior. How many people saw that Gaji was a replacement and said, oh yeah, Gaji's going to give him a tough fight? No one posted that. Everybody instead said, I'm glad Gaji probably got one last final opportunity, uh, but Dumbe's better and Dumbe's going to stop him. So that's going into a fight where everyone's mentality is, I'm going to stop you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, uh, uh, you know, he's going to, Dumbe's going to win. That does have a pressure to it. Not necessarily saying that pressure affected him or didn't affect him. Uh, I'm just saying that that's an added element. Uh, so when he got to those fire exchanges, he was able to find offense, still able to find a clean pull counter for a knockdown. And then, of course, the barrage of offense was too much, and he was able to get a stoppage. So Cedric Dumbe continues to be one of the best fighters in the world. Uh, there are some fun fights out there to be had uh, before you know he uh, stops his kickboxing Run. He had mentioned on several occasions that he might move into MMA or that he's going to move into MMA and be UFC champion. Um, I've got no problem with someone having that heart, uh, but clearly there are some fun fights that I still want to see him have, in particular with um, the talent that they have in the welterweight division is really, really high. You know, so a Trey Jones fight would be a lot of fun. Uh, clearly, they want to close the chapter with Mirtha Grunhard, let those two go out and get their three in. So there's some fun stuff to be had. But I do think that Dombe was sloppier this time. But I do think that he's still the most capable, skilled 
kickboxer on the planet, you know, uh, pound for pound. Uh, I think he is that guy. I just think that this wasn't the best showing from him. And even in his not best showing, he still wins by KO. He still wins by stoppage. That's how special he is. So thanks, everybody, for listening. God bless, and uh, hope to see you next week.